Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. Well, I wanted to start off by sharing with you a dream I had this week. That'll be interesting, huh? Now, warning, it doesn't really make sense, okay? Which might pique your interest. So, Thursday night, I dreamt that I was preaching on Sunday, and I was fumbling through my notes. I couldn't find them. I pulled something out of my backpack and started reading it, and it ended up being the back of a ramen noodle bag. (laughs) And people started just walking out. (laughs) And I woke up, and I was like, oh, man, that was terrifying. So the next day, I came in here on Friday, lights off, not a single person in the pew, and I thought to myself, you know, that's not that bad. Even if everyone walked out on me, right? Empty pews, I just said, what am I afraid of, right? Where does my value come from? And I had conversations with the Lord on Friday in here, and it was pretty good. And today's title is talking about Dinner with the King. And the passage we're looking at in chapter 14 is a dinner party. And there's elements where people are left alone at this dinner party. And so I'm going to invite Newton up here to share the scripture with us that will be core to our text today. And I want you to think about this idea of where's our value come from? And when we look to others, it gets a little skewed. But when we look to where Jesus is, where he's seated at the table, we can find value. So go ahead, Newton. Thank you. Thank you. It's my honor again to... uh share a portion of our scripture today. It's in Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. And it says, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus explained, what a privilege it would be to have a share in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this illustration, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come. But they all began making excuses. One said that he had just bought a field and wanted to inspect it, so he asked to be excused. Another said that he had bought five pair of oxen and wanted to try them out. Another had just been married, so he said he couldn't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was angry and said, go quickly into the streets, the alleys of of the city, and invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes, behind the hedges, and urge anyone you find to come, so that the house will be full. For none of those I invited first will get even the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. Thank you. And let's pray here. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes and our hearts to your scripture. I pray for each person here. Lord, you know exactly what kind of week they've had. And I pray that they would find love and refreshment this morning. Pray that they would find encouragement and value in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's other times here for dinner parties that I want to illustrate. Um... One is, you know, we don't have kings sending out dinner invitations, but we have a president who sends out invitations. 
There's a team recently that turned him down, and that's not new. The NBA Dream Team, a lot of those guys were too busy. They said, oh, we don't need to get value ascribed to us by a dinner with the president. One of the Dream Team, it was Larry Bird, he said, the president knows where to find me if he wants to chat. <laughs> wow, all right. It might have hurt the president's feelings, though I bet the president probably wouldn't come to meet Larry Bird and get an autograph. Who knows? But... Um, yeah, we just heard a story of invitations out and people rejecting it. And I want to back up a little bit here in the story. The dinner party starts in verse 1 of chapter 14. And it ends with the idea of the host of the dinner being ignored. Who's Jesus? But at the very beginning of the dinner party, Jesus is ignored. Remember, this is the king of creation invited to dinner. And at the very start of the dinner party, it says, One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. So, most of us are going to go out for dinner after church, okay, on our Sabbath day. So, Jesus was invited to such a dinner as that. And so, he shows up. No one really says anything to him, but they just watch him. And there was a man there whose legs and arms were swollen. And so Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? So here's a man whose arms and legs were swollen. He was being, I believe, ignored. He probably didn't have a prominent seat at the table here. We don't even know if he was seated at the table. I would think he might be at the end of the table. Kind of like, well, I, I don't know how he showed up there, to be honest. Maybe he was one of the servants. But Jesus picks up on potentially the least important guy in the room. And he goes to him. A man who needs healing. A man who needs help. And he goes to him. Not at the head of the table. He doesn't expect the line to form of people to talk to him. Jesus finds the least important person in the room. He doesn't even get a name here. It's just the guy with the swollen arms. How would you like to be called that at school? <laughs> you know? And Jesus finds him and says, What do you think? Is, it, is etiquette okay for me to heal this man? And to give value to this man? Or does that go against your tradition? Does that go against the pecking order of our social club here today? And again, the people remain silent. And so Jesus did what he ought to do. It says they refused to answer. So Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. And he turned to them and said, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they did not answer. Kind of an awkward start to a dinner party, right? And yet, they start to go about business as usual. Um, we can advance slides here, I'm sorry. This shows kind of the layout. We're in these three sections that are highlighted in yellow. So Jesus just healed. 
And then next we go to Jesus uh, teaches on seats of honor. And so things go as business as usual here. It says in verse 7, Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table. And he gave them this advice. Now I like to think about this. They're fighting over the head seats of the table. Seats were usually in a U shape. And the seat of honor was at the base of the U. So people are fighting over that. Now I'm pretty sure Jesus was not already sitting there and then giving them this advice of don't fight over these seats, get lost, you know? Usually he practiced what he preached. Actually, he always practiced what he preached. So most likely he's at the base of the table when he's saying these words. And he says, he gave them this advice, verse 8, when you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who's more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, another reason I think Jesus is being ignored as king in this scenario is that they're fighting for the seats furthest away from Jesus. I'm flabbergasted by that. Where is really the head of the table? I think it's by Jesus. I'd fight over that seat. And yet he's in the lowliest spot with plenty of chairs in between, and they're fighting over the head of the table. They're ascribing value to each other based on where they're sitting compared to each other. No one's stopping to consider where they sit in their position to God. Where they sit in position to Jesus. He just healed a man. And they don't stop to wonder where that power came from. He just healed a man. And they're too proud to come to Jesus and say, you know what, I could use some healing too. They keep ascribing value the way that their culture teaches them to do it. They're chasing the next thing. They're keeping up with the Joneses. Their eyes are here and not there. king is being ignored. I often wonder what it's like to be God. <laughs> How many people really, really have entered that narrow door to know Him? He knows our hearts and our thoughts. He gets treated like a vending machine so often. The scripture shows we're made in his image. He is emotion like us. He is ignored so much at dinner parties. <laughs> we play country club. And Jesus is at the edge of that table, at the edge of that room. 
waiting for someone to accept his invitation to come sit next to him. He then talks about invitations to a dinner party. And in verse 12, as we advance the slide, it says this. It says, he turned to his host. It says, when you put a lunch or a banquet on, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. Most likely, that's who's at this dinner party. <laughs> For they will invite you back, and that will be your re- reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. This language of the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, that's kingdom talk. When Jesus started his ministry in Luke 4, he opened the scriptures and said that he was there to proclaim freedom for the captive, good news to the poor. And in, John, in Luke 7, he says, when he's asked if the kingdom was coming, he told John, he said, look around you, the blind are being able to see, the lame are being able to walk, those with leprosy are being cured, and the deaf are being able to hear, and good news is being preached to the poor. That's kingdom talk when that happens. So he says, invite people into the kingdom. And so in verse 15, this catches someone's attention. He's hearing this. He goes, yeah. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus coming, yeah, what blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. He knows that the etiquette in the kingdom of God is justice. And he knows that it's promised to come. That, Jesus, that God is going to make things right someday. He says, what a blessing it will be on that day. He's having no part of it in his current life. They're fighting over the front of, this, of the table. There's, he's not about the kingdom of God here, but he says, someday it'll be great, won't it? And Jesus replied with this story. And again, that man, he's missing the fact that the king is at the table. And if the king is at the table, the kingdom is there. But he's missing it. He could have dinner with the king, and he's missing it. And so Jesus replied with a story of a lot of people who miss dinner with the king. And so he gives this story, and he says, A man prepared a great feast. He sent out many invitations. Verse 17 says, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. And so back in the day, they'd send out two invitations. One is RSVP. Are you going to come or not? This is a big deal, and we're making a lot of food, okay? You going to come or not? People would RSVP. And then when the day arrived, when the food was just right, they'd send out the second person to say, right? I mean, moms often know this. Come and get it, right? Dinner's hot. (laughs) 
and then you're supposed to come to the table, right? Now, how do you feel when you say dinner's hot and no one comes to the table? <laughs> and you see all your hard work, everything you put your sweat in, into and work and labor just sitting there getting cold, and you wonder to yourself, do they even care? <laughs> all right, that's how this guy feels. He says, because they all began making excuses, all of them. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. In other words, I made one of the biggest purchases of my life and I'd like to go see where it is. So, oh, okay. That sounds a little, that's kind of a flimsy excuse, but okay, I guess that does sound important. The second person says, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. That's a pretty big investment back in the day. Said, and I need to go try them out. The last person, this is a real short one. He doesn't even explain. He says, please excuse me, I just got married. <laughs> I mean, at this point, there's a chuckle, okay? That's the point. These aren't good excuses. I mean, why would he RSVP to the dinner if that was his wedding day? Okay. My my father-in-law, he likes to play he likes to play some tricks on people and so a cousin was getting married. Elaine's cousin and we were there for the week for the wedding. Wedding was on Saturday and we're chatting with the cousin getting married and my father-in-law says, "Hey, what are you doing Saturday night?" That's his wedding, okay? "What are you doing Saturday?" And he listed off the exact time of his wedding. "You want to go bowling?" And the cousin went for it. He goes, Sure, that sounds great. <laughs> and then we all started laughing, and he, oh, I mean, no, no, I have to get married to my wife, okay? That's funny. That doesn't, doesn't usually happen. And if that did conflict, probably he wouldn't go bowling, okay? Otherwise, he'd have a lot of free time to go bowling. <laughs> so it's a bad excuse. It's a bad excuse. And it's funny, it's like these people are just, this is crazy. This is crazy that they're not attending the dinner. And it really, when you think about all that Jesus has done for us, all that He purchased, the work of Christ on the cross, laid out before us in the wedding feast of the Lamb, it is crazy that we don't attend. And it's crazy that we don't tell people, hey, there's a ton of food on the table here. There's plenty of chairs left. Come to the party. That's the point of this parable. In verse 21, it goes on. It says, The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Okay, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite, this is kingdom language, right? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done all this, he reported, there's still more room for more. So his master said, go out again into the country lanes, behind the hedges. I don't understand the hedges one. Maybe people are hiding behind a bush. I don't know. But look wherever you can. All right, and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will 
be full. And here comes a warning. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. So I see this as kingdom language. I see the great commission in this with the words, Go! Go! To the country lanes. To the people hiding behind a bush. Anywhere you find them. Alright? Anyone is qualified. Even the guy with the swollen arms. Invite them to my house. Because there's food on the table. The kingdom and reign of God is available to heal your diseases, to fill your hunger, and to give you a place of honor because you are seated next to Jesus. Sometimes it looks like it's at the end of the table. Sometimes it feels alone. Or it's in places our culture usually doesn't look for it. But that's a good spot to be. It's next to Jesus. So we fellowship with Him, do what He did. We're close to Jesus. We're sitting next to Him. And He often was a servant. Jesus hosted a dinner party. I believe it's in Luke 21 or 22. He invited his disciples and said, this is actually the last dinner I'll have with you until we eat it again in the kingdom of God. And at that dinner party, again, he sat at the end of the table and he said, let me wash your feet. And those disciples who knew that he was the king of all creation We're astounded. One of them said, I should be washing your feet, Jesus. And Jesus said, no. If you want to partake in me, accept what I'm providing for you. I am washing your feet. Not only that, Jesus was about to lay down his life for them. He was about to become poor and crippled and blind and lame. The punishment they deserved. The destiny of their own fate. He took that upon Himself on the cross. He overcame the darkness on the cross. So that his kingdom and reign can now sit on the table with a lot of empty seats around it. And now the Spirit of God goes throughout the world through the voice and action of the church to say, Come! 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 We see in Revelation this wedding feast. This table made ready for all those who would come. Verse 6, it says that the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. 
We can taste it now. But oh man, we're going to dig in that for all eternity in its fullness. And it's a wedding feast of the Lamb. Why the Lamb? Because lambs in the day were slaughtered as sacrifice. Jesus was slaughtered, crippled and lame and poor on a cross so that we can have access to this feast. Verse 9 of this section says, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Which is the same words that that man at the table, as he caught a glimpse of what Jesus was saying, he said, Blessed are those who will feast in the banquet in the kingdom. Revelation says that too. And in between those two verses, it says this. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to Him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And His bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. Are you prepared for that feast? You've been invited into the kingdom. And I think about these people at dinner with Jesus. As they were missing the kingdom then, as the king sat among them, there's a good chance they were going to miss the kingdom when it came in its fullness. Chapter 13 of Luke, someone asked, How, will there be a lot of people that enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, no, it's a narrow door. So my encouragement to us all is to find our seat next to Christ, the King, now. Accept His invitation to the kingdom now. Find your value being seated next to Him now. Because if you don't find the kingdom now, and if your heart is making excuses now, that is suggestive that in the last day, at the final feast, you'll miss it then. So have dinner with Jesus. He satisfies the hunger and He heals your illness. He gives you what you need. I think that's a valuable spot at the table. Amen. At the end of the Passover, Jesus said, Just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. Praise God for that. Direct your desires towards that. Seeking first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Amen. I'm so thankful that God reigns. I'm so thankful that Christ is King. So you go through your week this week, 
Get your value by sitting next to him. Don't chase the way that people fight after the first chair. <laughs> so it's such vanity. It's such a trap. Instead, find peace for your soul in the kingdom that God is bringing now and will fully bring then. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you sent out invitations behind every bush. Every person is invited to this kingdom. And Lord, help us to live like you did and offer our very own dinner table to those that the world would not. Help us to have eyes to see those that have been invited but have not been given the invitation because as messengers we have not opened our mouth or crossed the street. Help us to model and reflect your desire to have a full house. Your desire to have a full table. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of the Lamb that we can partake in. We don't deserve it. We recognize you as King, Jesus. Amen.